the very first thing mankind is meant to experience rest why because mankind needed to learn right from the beginning it's not by works so the very first thing that adam and eve experienced was a day of rest where they didn't have any customary labor why because it's telling adam and eve the first human beings the gospel that it's not about your works it's about god's work for you When God created mankind, he already had a plan of salvation in place. He demonstrated it immediately as well by giving the people he created a day of rest. As Pastor Daniel continues to review the Ten Commandments today, we'll see God's plan of salvation revealed in his command for us to cease from working one day a week. We can't get to God by our works. Instead, we need to rest in his hands and learn about his immense love for us Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study, The Big Ten. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. As we continue our study here through the book of Deuteronomy, we're in this series called Refresh, and we're in the middle now of the retelling of the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. So we saw this initially in Exodus chapter 20, and we took some time to go through it, and now we're back here in the book of Deuteronomy. For some of you, you're like, yeah, we heard this like 20 years ago when we were in the book of Exodus. For the rest of you, you're hearing this for the first time, and the beauty of the retelling of This law was that for many of the people who are hearing this, the book of Deuteronomy, right on the edge of the promised land, they had heard it when they were younger, but there has been a 40-year period that have elapsed since they heard these things. And no doubt, they would talk about it as they went, but they're getting a refresher course because Moses is telling them, in effect, look, I'm not going to be with you in the promised land, and I want to make sure that you understand who the Lord is and what he's up to. And so... Over the last couple of messages, I've gone through a whole whopping three of the Big Ten. So we're going to pick up in verse 12 at the command about the Sabbath day. So look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So the fourth commandment, remember I made this statement previously that the first two tablets of the command focus on our relationship with God and then the second part or the second tablet of the Ten Commandments focuses on our relationship with other people. 
right? And in a lot of ways, the concept of the Sabbath day is actually almost a fulcrum between the two. Because the idea of the Sabbath day, now it doesn't only go back to the book of Exodus and God's deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, it also goes all the way back to the creation account of Genesis 1 and the beginning of Genesis 2. Remember on the seventh day of creation, you read about it in Genesis chapter 2, it says that, and God rested from his labor on the seventh day. And so in the creation narrative, we get the idea that God rested on the seventh day, and then we get it instituted into the life and the fabric of the community of God, the children of Israel, that they should rest for a day every single week. Now, you might say, well, why did God rest in the seven days of creation? I always say the same thing. God didn't rest because God was like totally pooped after creating everything. You know, you have that idea, it's like all of a sudden God, he's been speaking the universe into existence and he made all these animals, he did all this stuff, and then all of a sudden God's like, man, it's hard work being God and creating everything, and so I'm just really tired, I need like a spa day, you know what I mean? It's not that, because God is all-powerful, right? But you have to think, what did God create on the sixth day of creation? He created mankind, and what's the very first thing mankind is meant to experience? Rest. Why? Because mankind needed to learn right from the beginning, it's not by works. So the very first thing that Adam and Eve experienced was a day of rest, where they didn't have any customary labor. Why? Because it's telling Adam and Eve, the first human beings, the gospel, that it's not about your works, it's about God's work for you. Now, you fast forward into the life of the children of Israel and our lives, the greatest thing that you and I struggle with is the fact that you feel and I feel that everything in our life is dependent on us. And guess what? My friends, that is functional atheism. If you believe that everything in your life depends solely on what you do, then what you're saying is that there is no God. And so God knew that we would be there. God knew that in the heart of hearts of every human being that we would struggle to trust. I was reminded of something that I love to say, that what's the problem with walking by faith? You got to walk by faith. That's the problem with it. We'd rather walk by sight. It's easier to walk by what we know as opposed to walk trusting what God might or may not do. And so God knows that we're like that. God knows that we struggle. And so God wanted to make sure that we never believe that everything in our life is dependent upon us. So he instituted the Sabbath day. That every single week there needs to be a day that is taken and that day is not to work the ground, not to try and create and be productive and make money and all these things that we do so that we would remember that really it's not all dependent upon us. And all through the Bible you find God saying, look, if you take the seventh day off, I will provide enough for you. Now think about it. We live in a culture where there's things called workaholics, right? Like we don't know how to stop working, right? Now why do we not know how to stop working? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. If you read the creation account and you read the fall of Adam and Eve, God, when he cursed Adam, he cursed Adam's work. And really what God did, in effect, was Adam developed an inappropriate relationship with his job. Because instead of everything being there for him, now Adam had to work by the sweat of his brow. See, and so what happens is, is that we 
begin to believe that everything we do, if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. And really what you're saying is, it's all dependent upon me, which, my friends, is functional atheism. Although we may believe in God, we may live like we really don't. So God placed us out every single week. There had to be a day where no work was done. And I love what the Lord does here. Because not only does it say, you shall do no work. Notice, verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it is the Sabbath of the Lord. That word Sabbath literally means rest. It's the rest of the Lord, your God. Now, in it, in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor any of your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. Now, I love that. Because God knows the heart of humans. Because you might be like, well, I can't work. And I really don't trust God, so I'm going to make someone else do the job, right? So you set up your cattle, you put a little carrot in front of the cattle, and you make the cattle do all the work on the day it's supposed to rest. It's a rest for everybody. Why? Because it's teaching us that the world does not need us to continue on. It puts us in our proper place of humanness as the people who are created as opposed to the creator, And each one of us need to learn to work hard, but realize that whatever production we get out of our lives, it's really dependent upon the Lord. And so much of the life of the children of Israel, and I believe by extension our lives, is a relearning of this reality. I realize that many of us right now, you hear me say this and you're thinking, I totally live like it's all dependent upon me. I feel like if I don't do it, it's never going to get done. And I don't know how to stop because I'm totally freaked out that it's not going to happen unless I do it. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, this is why God instituted the Sabbath day. Now, you might be saying, okay, so Fusco, God instituted the Sabbath day, so am I supposed to take a Sabbath day? Now, here's the thing. According to the book of Hebrews, Jesus himself is our Sabbath rest. It's very important. Read about in Hebrews chapter 4 that it's not about observing a day. It's about realizing that in Jesus, you and I cease from our labors. We get off of the hamster wheel of trying to work our way into heaven. Because isn't that the message of the Apostle Paul in almost all of his letters, right? The message is this. The message is that left up to your own devices, you're going to think that God loves you more or less based on if you prayed, if you served, if you gave, if you didn't drink, smoke, or whatever your struggles are. And if I don't do, if I don't do those things, God will really love me. But if I do do those things, then God doesn't love me. And guess what? That's not the gospel. The good news of Jesus is not that God is a conditional friend. That if you do the things they want you to do, then they're your friend. And if you don't, then they're not your friend anymore. That's not who God is. See, God loves you because God is love. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, even when you fail, it's not that God loves you less. His heart just breaks for you because you're wallowing in the mire when you shouldn't be. So when we realize that God can't love us more and won't love us less, it stops a cycle of living, constantly feeling, I'm not good enough for God. I messed up for God. I didn't do it. God doesn't love me. And I think for many of us right now, no matter how long you've been in church, don't we all struggle with that a little bit? There's some of you right now who are hearing this thinking, I can't believe that God would really love me still. Yeah, he's love. Because God is love, God loves you. Not because you're lovable. Not because you had a good day. Not because everything went right and you didn't lose your temper when you were driving down the highway. 
But for a lot of us, like I was, God really, you feel far from God when you get things wrong, but really, if you're born again, the Spirit of God dwells in you and he never leaves. So the idea of rest is important. Have you found rest from your labors? Your self-salvation plan. That's what God wants us to find in Christ. So the true Sabbath rest is Jesus himself. Now at the same time, because Jesus is our Sabbath rest, God still wants you to have a good rhythm of life. Now I don't mean like rhythm of life, like I like the blues, it's got that kind of rhythm. I like reggae and that's got that kind of rhythm. I like good old fashioned rock and roll and so I like that kind of rhythm. The idea is that your life is meant to have a rhythm of vocation and rest, work and rest. And we live in a culture that it's all about productivity. If you can produce, you will keep the job. If you will not produce, you won't keep the job. And the key for you and I, because we live in that kind of a world, is to say, do I have a rhythm of working and resting? And I really believe that for each one of us, we need to learn how to rest. For most of us, some of us are just lazy and need to learn how to work, right? So let's just put that out there. If you're lazy, you need to learn how to work. But most of us, we're so busy working that we don't know how to rest. And you wonder why your health is breaking down and your relationships are breaking down and you, you feel frayed and you got ulcers and all stuff. When was the last time you took a day off? Now, the American way is this. I work like a maniac and then on the weekends, I work harder and I need like a vacation from my vacation, Right? Like, I love, I'll meet a guy and he's just like, man, I'm so stressed. I got ulcers and I'm losing my hair and all this stuff's going on. And I'm like, well, so what'd you do this weekend? He's like, well, I fixed the deck and I mowed the lawn and, and I built a boat and I did all this stuff. It's like, well, did you take a nap? Did you talk to your spouse? Uh, no. It's like, so we live in that kind of a world where we don't know how to stop. See, God designed the Sabbath day, the concept of Sabbath, to be a day out of time, so to speak. A day where you seek the Lord, where you place the priority where the priority needs to be, and that is in your relationship with God and in your relationship with other people. There needs to be one day where you're not working to produce or to gain, a day that is a day of refreshment and building up. I say this not as someone like, I don't Sabbath real well. You can ask my wife. It's hard to turn off all that's going on. So in some ways, when I share this with you, I'm sharing it with myself as well. Because it's hard to stop and turn off all that God's doing at Crossroads. And how do we do this? And I have my Sabbath thing. I'm dreaming about all this stuff. And it's like, okay, just breathe. Read your Bible. Talk to Lynn. Play with your kids. Don't worry about it. But that's what the Sabbath day is meant to be. It's a day to work on your spiritual life. To work on being refreshed, your physical body. Now, if you think about it in kind of biological terms, now again, we all know I'm not like a workout kind of a guy that much, but for those of you who do do that, you realize that what's the best thing for building muscle? After you work out, what do you do? The rest day. That's right. Why? Because on the rest day, after you do all that working out and you tear all those muscles, the rest day is the day that your body rebuilds stronger so that you can go work out the next day. So even within our body, you have this reality. Now, you know, and all through your Bible, you have things like the land Sabbath, where you're supposed to leave land fallow. What's amazing is I'm not an agriculturalist or a farmer, but what I do know is that 
science will tell you that you, at a certain point, you leave a garden fallow so that the soil can be rejuvenated and refreshed so that it have more nutrients. And so people will rotate their fields for this very reason. All this comes right out of the Bible. Because there is a time that you need for refreshment and rest. For your relationship with God and for your relationship with other people. So the key for you and for me is one, finding our rest in Jesus. Have you gotten off of that hamster wheel of trying to work your way into God's good graces or somebody else's? You rest in Jesus. You find your rest in him, right? And then also, do you have a good rhythm of life where you have times of refreshment and restoration? And if you're one of those people like me who struggles with that, you need to be intentional, about it. You need to be disciplined with it. You need to force yourself to enter into the rest that God has for you. And what I've learned with Sabbathing, with taking times of rest, is that it's actually the healthiest thing for me and for my family and for my walk with the Lord. So I pass along. It doesn't come naturally to me, but I pass it along to you because it's in the Ten Commandments. Now, I love when people say to me, because someone's always bound to say, if you ever meet somebody who says, you know, I'm a good person, I keep the Ten Commandments. The Fourth Commandment is your friend in that moment. Because you say, oh, really? You've kept all ten? Yeah. Tell me about your Sabbath day. And they look at you like, huh? It's like, yeah, so you take a day off every week? Don't do any work? You don't make anyone work for you? <laughs> yeah. Never happens, not in 21st century America. Anyway, moving on, that's the fourth commandment. The fifth commandment in verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is very important because now we start moving out of the vertical reality into the horizontal reality. And it begins with this idea of honoring your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, the Apostle Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter 6 as well. Now, you have to realize this. The family is God's ordained primary unit of discipleship for people. The family unit, a husband, a male, and a wife, a female, and the fruit of that union, children, is God's primary way of society. Now, you realize we live in a day and age where that is kind of, people don't believe that anymore, but the people who don't believe it in the society we live in, look at what we have going on in our society. Is 21st century Western culture healthy on any level? No. So the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. You know, and I'm not knocking. I'm just saying people can believe whatever they want about family. But look at what's going on in the world that we live in today. And the disintegration of a family and the full-on onslaught to family that we're seeing, it's having its repercussions all through society. Now, notice it's children honoring your parents. Now... How many have ever seen the TV show Nanny 911? Right? You know why that show is in there? Why people do? Because people don't read the Bible. See, parents are not meant to be your kids' friends. You're meant to be their parents. And kids should learn how to honor their parents 
Because if children cannot honor their parents whom they can see, how will they ever learn to honor God who they cannot? Now, I say this and I realize, you know what the problem is with children honoring your parents? Is when you have a set of parents who don't honor the Lord and you're lousy parents. And when a parent doesn't take care of their job, then the children say, why would I want to do that? If God wants me to honor those people, they are loco, right? And when that happens, then everything starts to break down. Now, here's the thing. If you're a parent, are you a godly parent? Are you a parent who reflects the heart of God to your children? Are you patient and kind, not self-seeking? You know, all, Just read 1 Corinthians 13 and apply it to your parenting. Nasty, right? You want to go to parenting class, take 1 Corinthians 13 and then take the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and say, is this the way that I parent? And know what every parent's going to say? I got work to do. And Jesus said, amen, let's work on it together, right? So the idea here is that parents are meant to be the stand-in, the physical hands and heart of God in the life of their children. Now, the thing is, is except for Jesus, every one of us, I mean, except for if Jesus was your parent, every one of us has been raised by dysfunctional parents. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's only a perfect savior and imperfect people. Now, so as a parent, you and I need to do our best to be good representations of Jesus in the lives of our children. Now, you might be saying, so, okay, so Fusco, you're freaking me out because I did a lousy job, right? Know what you should do? You should go to your children and apologize. Because guess what? They already know that you've messed up. They're living proof of your messing up, right? They get that. But when you come to them as a godly parent and say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I lost my temper. I haven't been a great example. You know, sometimes I get frustrated. I get angry, all this stuff. And you say, you know, will you pray for me? God's working on me. That's a very healthy thing for a parent to do. My kids are so used to me saying that that they, I don't even have to finish the sentence, Something will go on, and I'll be like, Obadiah, I'm so sorry, buddy. I got impatient with you. He's like, I know, Dad. God's still working on you. <laughs> and then I say, and Obadiah said, I'm like, Obadiah, will you pray for me? And he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, Lord, will you bless my dad? And you're working on him, and I'm grateful you are, <laughs> you know? I just keep working on him, Lord. And he, if you want, Lord, let him give me my Minecraft game back. You know, he like slips in a little. Cause, but... I realize that as a father and Lynn as a mother of our children, that when they think of who God is, they're going to think of how we showed them who God was and who we are. And so we have a responsibility as parents not to just expect blind obedience, but to honor the Lord. But then as children of parents, then we should honor our parents. Now, I always say that when you Depending on where you are as a child depends on how you honor your parents. So here's the thing. If you live in your parents' house and they pay your bills, then there's one way that you honor your parents because you live in their house and they pay your bills, right? Now, if you're one of those people who are like 40 and living in your parents' house and they're paying your bills, you need to move out, okay? Because that's just sad. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. Like, you're supposed to pay your own bills, that's part of life. And I realize sometimes there's circumstances and things that go on. But like, if you're in your parents' house, you need to leave your parents' house very quickly. Jesus is real. Today's message brought us to the continuing review of the Ten Commandments. 
Pastor Daniel took us through the commandment of taking a day of rest, reminding us that God designed us to not rely on our own work, but to rest in the arms of our Savior. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver, services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel takes us through the commandment of honoring our parents. Even as adults, we can be a blessing to our parents. Family hurt is a common thing, but with God's help, we can begin to heal those relationships. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Refresh. Until then, may God bless.